0: Ah mon Afrique, réveille-toi, il est midi, tu dors
1: encore, réveille-toi, n'écoute pas Babylone, il t'est fourni les armes pour tuer ton peuple, n'écoute pas Afrique. Oh, ya
2: bato cheveux crepus Bato mael ebo simbani ba bigi Oya bilanga bo simbani ba Congo simbani simba ma bo come on allekateo africa Malo bate mousalande Mouino yangolo africae Mobali yamingao africa Hatona mosolo africae and
3: And welcome to Congo Live, the authentic voice of the Congolese people in America. This is your host, Patricia Lokwa, joining you from Baltimore and with my co-host, Kambali Musavuli. Kambali, how are you today?
4: I am doing well. Uh, For me, I'm doing well, but I'm in in little sadness. Uh, We lost someone uh, that I really enjoy listening to, uh, Prince, the American musician uh, who passed away two days ago. So it's quite sad uh, to hear his uh, death, but I'm in good spirit at the moment. Um, I'm curious to know, Patricia, Did you like to listen to Prince?
3: I did. I think it's just one of those uh, situations. You just grow up with him consistently. And a lot of people had to choose between Prince or Michael Jackson. So I was more a Michael Jackson fan. But he did have a lot of good songs like uh, Purple Rain. That was one of my favorite songs. But yes, I did listen to him. And uh, his genre of music wasn't necessarily uh, my preference. But I know that he was a very talented artist.
4: Talented artist, uh, a guitar player. He could play every instrument, and I still remember one of, of his memorable uh, concerts was uh, the Super Bowl when he played in the rain. Uh, that was quite surprising. That you know, as an artist, when you have a rain at a great events such as this, you may freak out. But he delivered one of his most uh, memorable uh, concerts right in the rain, singing and playing Purple Rain.
3: Well, speaking of the rain, let's get a little bit into our show. April 22nd is Earth Day Worldwide and the largest, most recognizable face of the environmental movement. It is celebrated in more than 193 different countries worldwide. What we do know is that we cannot talk about the environmental justice without talking about the Congo. Our show today will look into the signing of COP21 Framework Agreement and its impact on the Congo. They would also look at Congo's potential and how we can support the Congolese people to realize their promise. We want to encourage our listeners to join the conversation a little later on during the show by calling 410 481 1010 as we learn about Congo's role in saving the planet Earth in a conversation with Dr. Tongele. But first, Kambali, can you please share with us the news on what's happening in the Congo?
4: Dr. Denis Mukwege of the Panzi Hospital uh, was named to the Time Magazine 100 as one of the top 100 influential persons in the world. So we want to thank him uh, for the work he continues to do for the Congolese people, and this nomination also is another way uh, to shine light on what's happening in the Congo. Uh, the Group of Seven, a network, G7, uh, of the political leaders in the Congo, And uh, different parties were part of the President Kabila's majority coalition called on the United Nations to protect former Governor Moïse Katumbi. Uh, People are afraid that, uh, specifically those politicians, are afraid that something may happen to Moïse Katumbi, and they are making a call to make sure that uh, he is protected. Kabila's security forces have stepped up repression on the G7 members, particularly in the former Katanga province. Uh, imprisoned by the Kabila regime since 2013, major opposition figure and political prisoner Eugène Diomi Dongala is now hospitalized as of this week. Uh, reports also came in this week from the east of the country, in the North Kivu province particularly, that Rwandan soldiers have crossed the Congolese border to pursue, once again, uh, the Rwanda rebel group called the FDLR. The International Bank of Africa, BIAC in French, appears to be still in trouble. Uh, Long lines of customers are persistent as they seek to withdraw their money from the uh, uh, failing bank. Uh, I think in past shows we discussed how uh, the bank had issues and they could not allow um, they b- bank members to withdraw more than $500 in the bank currently the daily limit for withdrawal at the bank ha- is from anywhere from 500 um, has been reduced to 200 actually from the 500 they initially had uh, opposition parties are planning a rally this Sunday April 24th in Kinshasa to mobilize the population to support timely election and respect for the Constitution. The opposition coalition will announce actions that will take place leading up to September 20th, uh, the latest date that the Electoral communi- uh, Commission has um, mentioned as a date for the elections per the Constitution. Uh, the African Union mediator, Idem Kojo, shared with RFE a French radio station this week that he had secured no guarantee from President Kabila that he would respect the Constitution as part of the dialogue that Kabila called and Kojo, who is the uh, administrator of that meeting, is presiding over. U.S. Special Envoy to the Great Lakes region, Tom Perilio, reported via Twitter that he and Secretary of State John Kerry reinforced to President Kabila while in New York for the COP21's uh, signing of the agreement of the Paris Climate Summit, uh, that Kabila should respect constitutional organized elections. Lastly, over 200 members of parliament made up of both Kabila's majority coalition and the opposition signed an appeal that is to be delivered to the Supreme Court for its rule on the status of Joseph Kabila staying in power beyond December 19th, provided if there is no election. Uh, some of our listeners have noticed that for almost every show, we discuss this contentious issue that may cause the president of the Congo, Kabila, to stay longer than his mandated term, which ends on December 19th. The member of parliament who are party to the request are arguing that Kabila should remain in power until a new president is elected.
1: Manoumana et l'aïkounous Qu'est-ce que j' 화장ne enfants Courte des ténèbres Caca Je vois le qu'il a Engineer de son. Peter Candem, come now, a galera. Baijing the chapertain. O loci, a man, Mogonga. Police, Willy Sumi, J'invite à Nita, va ouvrir le chalabamba. Jorge Malabamoukouamouloumba. Ei! Ei! Tomah, Technologie moderne.
2: Honorable Zakariba Babassoui,
1: direct TV.
3: Welcome back to Congo Live, the authentic voice of the Congolese people. That was Chintua Ndemba by Group Bayunda du Congo. A historic meeting took place on April 22, 2016 at the United Nations headquarters in New York. More than 155 countries have committed to sign the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. The president of the Democratic Republic of Congo, while unpopular in his country, also joined these countries in signing of the agreement. In the agreement, all countries pledged to work to limit the temperature rise over below 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit. What our listeners need to know is that addressing climate issues without looking at what is unfolding in the Democratic Republic of Congo risks to derail the future of our planet. Congo is the fourth highest national store of forest carbon in worldwide. Its tropical rainforest covering about half of the country holds 17 million tons of carbon, the largest carbon stock in Africa. An estimated 40 million of 70 million Congolese depend on the rainforest for food, medicine, and other non-timber products. Over 10,000 plant species and 6,000 animal species depend on Congo's rainforest for survival. Even the North Atlantic weather pattern is affected by the Congo River basin. This is why President Barack Obama stated that While he was in senator in Africa, if Africa is to achieve its promise, resolving the conflict in the Congo will be critical.
4: Indeed, Patricia, you have laid out why Congo is so central uh, to the transformation of Africa. And DRC is really central to the fight against climate change, the fight to save our planet and hopefully uh, to still have this planet Earth available for our children centuries to come. Uh, this is why, as the world celebrates Earth Day, uh, they celebrated it yesterday. We at Congo Live really want to bring in our guest, uh, who is an expert on this issue, to discuss Congo's pivotal role in the environmental issues that we face today. Um, our guest today is Dr. Tongele Tongele, a native of the Democratic Republic of Congo and a renowned scientist. He holds a doctorate in me- mechanical engineering and teaches mechanical engineering at Southern Illinois University Edwardsville and the Catholic University of America in Washington DC. In his recent book which I'm looking forward to reading, Rise and Shine: Resilient People and Immense Resources in the Shadow of Death, Dr. Tungela lays out a vision that includes concrete ideas, proposals, and steps the DRC can take immediately. For a transformational renaissance that utilizes the enormous natural and human resources of the country to bring lasting peace eradicate poverty in the drc dr Tongele, welcome to congo live thank you
3: and uh, welcome to congo live it's a pleasure to have you uh kambali just mentioned your book rise and shine the resilient people and The Immense Resources in the Shadow of Death. Can you, for our listeners who may not know of this book, can you give us a little bit of summary uh, before we get into details of what's in the book? What is a summary of what your book is about, and why did you feel that it was important?
0: Yes, thank you for this question. And also I want to thank all your listeners for their support to the terrific job you do at Congo Live. Thank you. And it's really of significance that... uh, I would like to thank you for this opportunity you give me at this time. You're welcome. The book, at at the moment, the consequences of climate change and the impact of global warming are worldwide. They are facts that require global cooperation and global fight against this common threat to our planet. And as a native son of the Democratic Republic of the Congo and also the son of this planet and knowing well that the Democratic Republic of the Congo has everything it takes to effectively fight and succeed in this combat against negative consequences of climate change, it is worth speaking up and saying what can Mm -hmm. be done. Immediately, now, not later, so that the whole world can take this comp- can win in this effort of maintaining our planet for our future generations. So the title of the book is "Rise and Shine," and this is important because Congo has everything to rise and shine. But the subtitle is even more important resilient people and immense resources in the shadow of death, in spite of the enormous resources, in spite of the talent and creativity of the people, they are all like imprisoned in the shadow of death. But there is a hope because if Congolese open their eyes and the outside world don't know really what Congo can do for our planet there is a way there is a way to work together and the Congolese people can rise
4: and in- shine for the benefit of the world thank you doctor uh, for this intro um, I-, I will fr- create a framework for the discussion when uh, COP 21 framework meeting took place in December a few of uh, p- uh, the people, the activists around the world that we work with went to uh, Paris. Uh, one of the things that they, they share with me coming back from there, uh, they were not able to meet Congoli- uh, the Congolese delegation. On record, we had about 300 Congolese who came from the ground who were supposed to attend that meeting, but they were nowhere to be found around. And, of course, you know, th- this was right around the time when there was an, at- an attack uh, in Paris. So there was high alert at the time. But Congolese were not visible or present during that meeting. Uh, yesterday, there was a signing of an agreement. You no, know, the pre- President Kabila of the Congo signed an agreement. They are saying that um, the hope in the framework is to not increase the degree by more than three, uh, three degree Fahrenheit and so on. What are the implications of Congo? Or Have you taken a look at that agreement? Uh, are you in agreement with what they are proposing? Uh, what, what is the role of the Congo in making sure that the agreement is successful?
0: Thank you. This is a very, very good question because signing an agreement is one thing, but there are things that must be done conc- concretely. There are things that must be accomplished so that this signature can have value. Now, let me just take you a little bit back. And that was great, the introduction you made. Congo has everything that the planet needs for its survival. And let's just go to one thing that you mentioned, the huge forest, that is one of the largest reservoir of carbon dioxide in the world. But this forest is being destroyed. It's facing significant problems. The question is when we Congo sign this agreement, that means Congo needs to go back and say here are what we are going to do to save the forest because this is the asset for the world. It's not just signing an agreement. This forest it also in addition to absorbing carbon dioxide, it has medicinal plants that may cure all diseases or most of the diseases in the world. Now the question you can ask yourself is, let's go to specifics. If you go to Congo today and try to find out how many local companies and businesses, what is the enabling environment for people over there Mm -hmm. to create research laboratories Institutions, and so that they can see what can be done. They can identify, they can uh, 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 see what are the plants that are there, what are the values for medicinal importance in uh, real life. You will not find local companies doing anything of that kind. And yet, the asset is right there. So signing an agreement it's something. Yes, it's good. But there got to be work to be done. Let's go to the renewable resources that uh, we are talking about. That Congo has enormous renewable resources like the sun, hydro power and uh, geothermal, all that. If you go right there in Congo, do you find local people heading or creating local businesses, local companies, do they have the skills, the knowledge, the ability to do things that it takes to develop these renewable resources? Because Congo needs to do its part. And by doing its part, it will create jobs. The people will create jobs for themselves. But the government, the government officials, the, 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 the political class, their job is to create an enabling environment, incentivizing environment where the people of the Congo can develop the skills, the abilities, the competence to do what it takes to develop these resources. Yeah. So to conclude about this question, yeah. yes, it's a good step in the right direction, but there's much that needs to be done. Doesn't suffice to go sign...
4: Uh, paper, yes, that's good, but at home, the homework must be done. So l- let's now take a look at one risk. Uh, not that I've read, um, I can't remember exactly where. I do believe it came from Greenpeace, um, but I will double check my facts still. But the fact is, forty percent, uh, the Congo risks to lose forty percent of its rainforest due to lagging if today you were in a position of power in the congo uh, of decision-making power in the congo today how how would you tackle the issue of lagging in the congo to make sure that the rainforest that holds uh, t- uh, tons of carbon on the african continent or uh, carbon in the world is not destroyed yes thank you for this question the question
0: is, actually, can be formulated like this. Why are people logging illegally or, you know, why are they doing this? They are doing this because it's a survival. That's the way to find, you know, to live, to survive, to make money. They have no other ways. Just like everybody wants to work in the government, because that's the way to live, to survive, to make money. There's no other ways. So if you, you are in a position of leadership in the Congo today, What you need to do is look at why is that people are not, why is that people don't have jobs? And the question is this. The government is not there to create jobs for everybody. That's for sure. But what is important to know is that the government must create the enabling environment. You go to Congo today, there are schools, public and private, everywhere. Do the learn what needs to be known so that you can use the scale to do things. I was talking to a friend, and let's go to the electricity. In Congo, there is a tragic lack of electricity, and yet Congo has the renewable resources. Only with its uh, hydro dam of Inga, it could power most of Africa, but it cannot power itself. So the question is this. You need to start at the basics, which means there got to be institutions, schools, and we have them, but they must be applied to things that must be learned to solve a real problem in life. That means if somebody graduates from so many of these institutions, he should know or she should know what she or he claim to have learned for which he or she has the diploma.
3: I have a but question. The truth,
0: the truth of the matter is mm-hmm. people just, they learn reading and writing and somehow they get a diploma, but it's worthless. Let it me does add- not provide them or equip them with what they need mm-hmm. to create jobs for themselves of, and for people around them.
3: Let's go a little bit uh, beyond even just the jobs. We know that not all logging companies is done or is being done by just Congolese politicians, or it's illegally uh, being done. We also know that we have logging companies from Western companies who come into the Congo, and these are the same, some of these countries who are logging in the Congo are the same people who are signing these peace agreements. How can we hold them accountable so that when they are in the Congo, we're protecting our environment as Congolese, and what can the Congolese population in the diaspora and within the Congo do to prevent these companies from exploiting the country?
0: That's a good question, because the Congolese in the, in the diaspora have a very important role to play. They have, in, their adopt, in, in the countries of adoption, they have uh, learned skills and abilities, and they know what is going on in the world. The first thing to do is to raise world awareness of the situation that is happening in the Congo. Mm-hmm. And that's what you are doing very good. And we hope that throughout the world, Congolese and friends of Congo do the same so that they can raise the red flag and say, look, this thing is not right. But second thing is, let us show that what is going on, it is a threat to the planet. It is a threat to the whole humanity. It's not just, well, we are there, you are destroying Congo's forest, who cares, because we will get out of there and we are fine where we are going. It's not like that. You can see the, the effect of global 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 climate change, it's global. It's everywhere. So we need to articulate this to show people, you go destroy the forest in the Congo. You know what? You are causing mosquitoes to rise and uh, generate, you know, Zika virus here in America. You go destroy the forest in the Congo, you are creating a punishing heat wave throughout the world. You go destroy the forest in the Congo, you are going to make a drought take place in California for a sustained longer time than ever, destroy crops, and this is affecting the economy. So we need to articulate this thing so that these people can see they are not just damaging Congo, they are damaging their own land, where they think once they get out of the Congo, they will be living in peace and comfort. No, it's not like that. So this is very important for us then we also have to say something to Congolese people and be vigilant with Congolese leaders. What is their job? they got to have control over the, the boundary of their territories. Mm-hmm. They are there to make sure that what is going on in the Congo is going on legally. And let me tell you something. Sometimes it's very easy to blame the outside world. You know, these outside people who go in there, they are going to do business. They go to make profit, and they intend, I suppose, I assume that they go with the goodwill of following the, the laws and regulations of the country and the institution, and then they will do business according to the laws and regulations of the country. So once they arrive there, if there's no such thing as a laws and regulation to go with, if by corruption you can get by and do anything you want, what do you think?
3: I want to hold on on that question. Let's take a short break and we'll continue talking about the role of the Congolese government in climate change and just us in general in the Congolese population and the world.
2: Maru ka umasekusoma, jani ba, Maru
3: Welcome back to Congo Live. We want to remind our listeners, if you want to participate in this conversation, to call 410 410- Four eight one one zero one zero, and welcome back, Dr. Tongele and Kambali. It's a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Uh, let's go a little bit back into your book. Uh, as you're talking about uh, the importance of keeping the carbon level low, what are its effects on the global uh, warming, and what are some things that we can see directly of what's happening today uh, in the world? We know that the ozone layer is being affected by this, the weather patterns, and beyond that, there's sea level rises and so forth. Can you be a little bit elaborate uh, for our listeners, for them to understand the importance of the Congo's forest and the weather patterns that we're seeing today?
0: Yes, uh, this is uh, really important because uh, one can never overemphasize. If today you see that in our country, the United States of America, we have longer and more damaging wild wildfire seasons. You see that uh, we have unpredicted and unusual, heavier rainstorm and flooding, and powerful hurricanes. If you see that today, we have increased respiratory problems due to increased air pollution, longer and more intense allergy season. And uh, like I mentioned, also new diseases like the Zika virus, you know, with the brain damage that mm-hmm. it, it, it provokes. We, let's not think that this thing comes out of uh, vacuum. No, it comes out of the inability of our planet to sustain itself because of human-made pollution and the, the, the reservoir. You know, like the forest, for example, that sink. That, that this carbon dioxide is being destroyed at accelerated rate. So this is, uh, this is clearly the reality that we are living, and no one can say that uh, this is not true. But my book is really emphasizing what Congo can do. And this is something important, because on one side, if Congo, knowing that it has all these resources, and note that it's not just doing something for the world, because in the process of trying to work with its forest, with its environment, Congo we develop research centers. Congo we develop. Uh, factories, Congo We develop institutions, Congo We develop businesses and enterprises taking care of these things you know, the, in Congo itself, let me tell you that uh, there is a serious problem that the, the rich biodiversity of Congo is facing too you know, you have erosion you have the the, the, the agriculture you know, slash and burn that is destroying the forest and people are cutting trees just for firewood in addition to the illegal log, logging. Up. And so you have all these things. And the insect infestation of crops, this is happening in the Congo. The,
4: Dr. So, Tonguele, uh, quick segue. Do you have some numbers on how, how, many, how, how many of the... lagging being done for firewood or cooking is being done in the congo and is actually affecting global uh change and comparing it to also the vast industrial lagging that's also taking place at the same time
0: yes i do not have a you know a number right now that i can refer to but i can always provide this later but uh, i'm saying this because it is very important that uh, government institutions educate the people that people are aware that their actions have consequences also that what they do affect their surrounding their environment where they live so it is important that government officials educate raise people's you know people's awareness about that so people are like in the congo right now because people are so isolated the transportation system is uh completely uh, has collapsed, so people live localized in villages and rural communities. So they just live there and uh, do what they can do. So you can see that uh, when this, every year, they slash and burn the forest and then, make you know, plant some crops, and then the next year they go. And this is after years, after years, after years, you know, it has a cumulative effect.
3: I have a question for you. Um, Due to the global warming, some facts that I know is the most vulnerable groups are children, the elderly, and the poor because a lot of times we have countries uh, such as America and the UK and France who are mainly the decision makers and we're looking at countries who also have high populations such as having uh, industries such as cars, coal burning, uh, factory. Right now around Australia there's coral bleaching going on where 93% of the coral reef is already been affected and our future generation children will not be seeing coral reefs due to the climate climate changes, and what's going on. So knowing that the poor, the elderly, and the children are the most vulnerable, uh, and you know that you have these countries who have factories and who are doing these things, what can we do to hold these companies accountable? Is this something where we need to do protests? Is this something where we need to write to legislation? Because um, when I look at the Congo's population, um, they're mostly unaware And I believe, and this is my personal opinion, that the effects of what the Congolese are doing is minimal compared to what companies are doing when they're coming. Because when we're talking about logging, logging is not limited to one individual who's cooking. Logging, these are machineries that are coming in and there's products and exports coming from the Congo to other countries. So besides even on a government level... How can we Congolese in the diaspora or in the Congo hold these countries that come within our country um, accountable to make sure that we protect the environment and not just Congolese, the whole world? We can look at them and say, this is what you're doing. This is how you're affecting the planet. And yes, you're making money. And yes, you may be building or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, it's affecting all of us. What can we do with these countries to prevent them from doing this?
0: Yes, of course. This is a very important question, but uh, you know, we live in a democracy in the United States, mm-hmm. in uh, European countries, so we have a, a process, and we, we can freely organize to influence the you, you know policy making policy making process. How do we and do raise, that? Raise raise the awareness by organizing protests or just peaceful march, for example, because and then organize conferences and talks. And write to our legislators, letting them know that here is the situation we are concerned, and we want them to address our concern. And then collect signatures, try to talk with people. Uh, There are many organizations, you know, about the environment. You know, sometimes each one is a working individual and separately, but we need to make a conscious effort to know each other and to try to adopt a common platform. Mm-hmm. So that with this platform, we can get to our legislators and let them know that here's what we want. And, uh, you know, the voting power that we have is very important. And this is what we need to do at our level here. And then legislation here, we hold this multinational multinational corporation accountable. That You cannot just go out there and destroy and think that you are, you know, you will escape the, the, the rule of the United States. No. So, at our level, we who live in the United States, Canada, uh, Europe, uh, Australia, that we have a lot that we can do, especially in organizing and knowing each other and forming common platforms. And I think we can be very effective.
3: The other question I have for you is um, a lot of the solutions that you've mentioned besides uh, what are the problems that come from global warming and what Congo can do are long-term goals. Uh, an average Congolese who's living in the Congo right now, what are some everyday things that they can do to help with uh, global climate warming? What are some things, like for example, here in the USA, they might tell you turn off the light. Uh, they might tell you use less water. Obviously in the Congo, uh, there are a lot a lot of people who live in rural areas, they don't have access to those um, amenities and technology that we may have. What are things that they can do to protect the environment, given that you may you have mentioned uh, their cooking and their logging and so forth? What are things that we can tell the Congolese population in the Congo do more of to protect the environment that can be done today?
0: You know, the question you ask, it just makes me a little bit cry because Congolese in rural areas, they survive. They barely survive. They suffer. They are very impoverished. You know, everybody in a country cannot stand up and say, let us do this, let us develop. That's why countries are organized in, within a political, social political system. Therefore, people... The leaders have an important role to, to, to work with their people, to organize their people. You go to Congo and see how many times the president, the ministers, and the legislators go, go to rural villages to talk to them, to ask for their needs, to see what they can do and try to let them know here's the problem that is going on in the world, and here's how you can participate, here's how it affects you. Do you see that? Have you heard about that?
3: Can I assume that you're saying that the Congolese uh, government doesn't always look out for what's in the best interest of the people and the environment. They have what's in the best interest of themselves, so therefore we need better leaders.
0: Like, uh, let me just quote President Mandela... Of uh, he, he is the man that could have been so inspirational to all his colleagues in Africa. When he was leaving, he always says, it's in your hand to make a difference. When he said that, it means every single person, including his colleagues that are head of states and government, it's in their hand to make a difference. Do they make difference where they live? Do they make difference in villages, rural areas? Do they make difference to these little people in villages who cut trees because they don't have anything to live on? They have to, to burn, you know, slash and burn, and then, and then plant crops, and people are very poor over there. If you remember, maybe you saw this... Uh, this people are so subjected to... Oppression. People can't. They are just dehumanized. Will you tell me that the head of state and government and uh, and, 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 and 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 legislator in the Congo go by what Mandela said? It's in your hand to make a difference. Mandela would tell them it is under your eyes that your girls and women are raped to death. It is under your eyes that your taxi drivers burn themselves because uh, they are so tired, sick and tired of arrest and corruption and abuse and all that that happened to them. And they set themselves to power, to, to fire. It is under your eyes that people just, you know, the security forces and all of them, they are not well-trained, they are not well-educated, they are not well-equipped, they are not well-paid, so they have to ransom the civilians in the villages and rural areas. People are so... Now... I, at, at at that point how can these people even think of saving the environment
3: let's take a short break and uh, we'll pick up from uh, where we are right now <laughs>
5: E sili, so e mama zale silly Mama eh, mama eh, zale sili. mama eh. Leggo. Iyaka. 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 Negayako explique bolingo nanga pona yo ezate. Negayako explique bolingo nanga pona yo ezate. Oh mama.
3: Welcome back to Congo Live. We're talking with Dr. Tongele about climate change. We want to say happy Earth Day to all our listeners out there who are listening, and we hope that you're enjoying the show as much as we are. Kambali, are you still with us?
4: I am with you. I'm very excited to have Dr. Tongele, and I'm quite curious. Uh, with Dr. Tongele. Uh, why have you taken a particular time to really focus on the environment, even for your book, um, Rise and Shine?
0: Thank you for this question. You know, it, um, it would be absurd for scientists today to just live and ignore the reality of the threat that our planet is uh, facing. As a matter of fact, to my engineering students, I ask them, we are at the f- threshold of a new frontier. And engineers need to think in design, in a mechanical systems. They need to think about new ways. How can we design things that will be efficient and be pollution-free? So this is not a matter of choice. It's a matter of necessity. So as an engineer, I also assume my responsibility in front of the world that, you know, we ha- each one has to do his or her part. That's why I see the situation and I see that in the land where I was born, there is a way to contribute to solving this problem. So putting these two together as an engineer and uh, seeing that uh, in the homeland where I was born, there is just so much that is wasted that could be used to solve the problem. I cannot help but write this book and try to say what can be done.
4: Well, I wish I was one of your students. I would have loved to have a, an engineering professor. I study civil engineering. So when I heard that, I said, wait a minute, my engineering professors never called me to conscious. So that's a good segue now to think about uh, Congo's mineral wealth. You know, we have a lot of rare earth minerals in Congo. Um, I mean, we even have uh, strategic minerals, you know, the cobalts. Uh, and I want to focus now on uranium. No, Congo having some of the most enriched uranium in the world. Uh, do you see that with a government that represents the people that they, there is a risk that Congo in the future uses uranium for power or uh, for electricity in general, but are we have other renewable resources that we have that we can maximize on?
0: This is a great question. You know, uh, the source of
4: energies generally are the um, the
0: fossil energy, which is uh, uh, oil, natural gas, and coal. But you also have uh, uh, nuclear energy, which is also primary source of energy, and you have the renewable source of energy. Now, regarding the uranium of the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the first Risk or threat concern that I have is within the context of a Congo that is falling more and more in chaos and 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 lacking the structures. You know, this is a very very dangerous situation that anyone can have access to this uh, uh, mine of Shinkolobo and get something and try to do something. That's the first concern. With respect to the energy, Congo doesn't need to rush to nuclear energy. Well, it has a choice to do that. But as I see it, there is no infrastructure. You need minimum of knowledge or skills and abilities and infrastructure companies that can get this kind of job done. But it's not foreseeable for the Democratic Party of the Congo. But Congo doesn't even have to bother with nuclear energy right now, because renewable energy alone is more than enough, not only to power Congo, but to power most of Africa. You have hydro, you have solar. And that takes me back to, look, in the case of renewable energy, the question that you would say is, look, in order to produce and distribute electricity, you need the minimum of knowledge, skills, and abilities. Are we, or in the Congo, are they doing something so that young people are learning to make how solar cells are made, how do they work, how wind made products such as blades, rotors, shafts, controllers, and gear back, turbine generators, how are they made? You need to know these things. And imagine all this before you get to nuclear energy. You need to know these fundamentals. And I don't see this being developed in the Congo. So Congo can do all that. If today, now, government officials decide... Let's stop corruption, mismanagement. Let's get serious. Let's call upon the people. We need to assume our responsibility in the world. We have the resources. We want to work for it. We call on the United States. We call on the European Union. We call on the United Nations. Here is our plan of action. Help us. We want to do this. Believe me, the United States will help. The European Union will help. The the United Nations will help because it is in the best interest of the planet.
4: Let's not forget the African Union as well. The African Union, too.
0: But it's in the hand of the Congolese officials to take seriously the role of leading leaders, to lead. You know, Congo has received a lot of help from our side. We were talking about publicizing things. You know, imagine the Virunga documentary of Leonardo. DiCaprio. Imagine the Eastern Congo Initiative, you know, of Ben Affleck and Whitton Williams. Imagine that the Congress of the United States has passed laws to help the Congo. The Democratic Republic of the Congo Peace, Security, Democracy Promotion Act of 2006. The Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act of 2010 with section on mineral of war zone in Congo.
3: I have a they- question uh, for you. Um, We know, or I know, that right now in the Congo, we have a puppet government. We know that they have support from other people not within the Congo. And these different companies and these different world orders that support this puppet government are the same people that come and mine, are the same people that come and select which is the best person for our government. Because when you look at the Congo, before we even get a president to be nominated, they come to the USA and they'll go to the White House and they'll discuss things, you know, with USF officials. So for me, I can't say that they're unaware of what they're doing. I can't say that they're unaware what of our politicians are doing because at the end of the day, they are behind the scenes and they are well aware of what's happening in the Congo. So when you say to me that uh you know, they have the best interest of the planet How can we agree to that when we've already seen what they've done since even our independence? They have never shown that they do have the best interest of Congolese and they've never shown that they do have the best interest of Africa because there's been a lot of capacity for them to do more and they haven't. And I do agree with you that it is up to the Congolese to do something, but to a certain level... We are limited to what power we have when we have, we're have, we a third world country and we have first world countries who come into uh, the Congo and they influence how things are done in the Congo. So to a certain degree, we don't have a say.
0: Uh, let me put some nuance in that because uh, if the government officials in the Congo today are serious about schools, Learning centers and institutions in villages and rural areas. So school children can learn how to do computer code in mm-hmm. villages. They can learn how to make solar cells and the little things that uh, they can use to build the capacities and do things. I don't think these mining companies will going to block that. That's number one. So we have a room for getting things done. Mm-hmm. Number two. Yes, people who want to become president, they come here. They talk to all these people and try to see if they, if I can be picked for presidency. Well, I think it is good that the leaders know who are the movers and shakers of this world because mm-hmm. uh, at at the end of the day, there are people who are movers and shakers. But these people are not evil. You know, they are not evil. They may not have your best interest, but if you clearly put forward a plan that show that their interest is preserved and show that you are
4: really serious about your people, your country, they will not stop you. Well, Dr. Tongele, we have literally about 15 seconds left. In, the ter- in terms of our environment, what is your, most, your favorite Congolese food?
0: <laughs> my favorite Congolese food is uh, what they call pondu pondu is uh, cassava leaves
3: I had a feeling you were going to say pondu <laughs> 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 do you like your pondu with mbisa okauka or no mbisa okauka
0: uh, no and with dry fish. it's even better but uh, with uh, peanut butter it's
4: always good
3: <laughs> oh I have to try that I've never tried pondu with uh, peanut <laughs> butter but uh, we want to thank you for joining us today on Congo Live and we want to encourage our listeners to read read your book and uh, if you have any questions you can always um, email you work, and they email you if they want to find out more about what you do
0: yes they, you have, my email is kongaletsua.edu
3: okay thank you so much for joining us today on Congo Live
0: and thank you I appreciate what you do
3: and Kambali, it's always an honor to work with you and we want to remind our listeners next week we'll be on Congo Live at 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time and we want you to enjoy your weekend
5: Kakey, kasi lubi